Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Father of all comfort, we come before you this morning to ask for healing, healing of the body, the soul, the mind, and of relationships. You are the God who forgives all of our iniquity, who heals all our diseases. We join with David who writes, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath, but be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long... Turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you, and Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears, and I drench my couch with my weeping. For the Lord has heard the sounds of my weeping. He has heard my plea, and the Lord accepts my prayer. Father, we rejoice that you hear our prayers and that you bring comfort. We are strengthened by the fact that our suffering serves as a purpose, as Paul tells us, that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share in comfort too. Scripture tells us that if we are afflicted, it's for the comfort and salvation of others. And if we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which is your experience when we endure the same suffering that we suffer. For we are commanded to comfort one another, to confess our sins to one another, and to pray for one another, that we may be healed. And Father, there are many in our community this morning that are in need of healing and comfort. There's some with surgeries that are coming up. There's some that are struggling with physical disabilities and and physical maladies and and, and even healings of relationships and of their hearts and the mental anguish. So we come this morning to join together to ask for healing, if not in this life, then in the life hereafter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort our hearts and establish them in every good work and word. We pray this in the name of Christ. God's people said? Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. Take your Bibles and turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 1 as we continue to make our way through Mark's accounts of Christ's life. We're looking at the authority of Jesus today. Title is Staying on Point from Mark 1, 29-39. We're now going to jump to a larger passage of Scripture than we have to previously. Last week we saw that Jesus enters the city of Capernaum acting like a king. Imagine that. He teaches and commands with an authority that causes the people to respond with amazement and wonder. Jesus shows his authority in his teaching as if he is the author of the law. He's commanding the demons to obey as if he has that type of authority and by protecting the person that was possessed. We see that these actions caused his fame to spread 
everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. This week we'll consider Jesus as He extends His authority and pronounces His purpose as He continues in that region. And Father, I ask for You to give us wisdom. Thank You for Your Word and may we hold it dear. And Father, I pray that You just be with me this morning. I just pray that You'd stifle the cough. I pray that You would minimize the distractions that happen within any time a group of people come together, that we may hear Your Word. And Lord, I pray that Your Holy Spirit will have free reign to work in our hearts, to cause us to hear, to listen, and to respond to Your Word. And I pray that You would just continue to be with us, Lord, that You may be glorified in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. What we see as we go to this passage that Jesus is proclaiming and advancing His kingdom through healing and preaching as He visits the city of Capernaum. I want to make three observations as we look, starting with verse 29. The first observation I'd like for us to make is we see that Jesus has power and authority over sickness. In verse 29, Mark tells us that immediately Jesus left the synagogue and He entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Jesus here is brought to the home that Peter and Andrew shared with their extended family, which was common and natural for that time. It's here that Jesus is asked to heal the mother of Peter's wife, who is very ill from a high fever. Contrary to some beliefs, Peter was married, as all three Gospels depict Peter's mother-in-law's healing. And even the Apostle Paul mentions Peter and his wife in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when he says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, speaking of Peter? So he is married, he has a wife. And he has a mother-in-law, which comes with it. Mark describes her healing as easy as one, two, three. As Jesus went to her, took her hand, and he lifted her up. There was no long prayer or request for planting a faith seed. There was no handkerchiefs that needed to bless, no special water, no magical words. Amazingly, her healing was instantaneous and complete as she immediately begins to serve those in her house. And you and I could understand this as coming through the cold and flu season and having a high fever. After breaking that fever or coming better to your senses, it still takes a while for you to get used to going back to work and having all your strength. But in this case, it was miraculous. Jesus says, be healed, and, and she comes up. And He just comes and He touches her hand and lifts her up, and she's ready to serve. And as we're going to see, she's going to be serving a whole lot of people. Jesus has authority over sickness. As we continue through Mark, as time and time again, Jesus heals. The second observation we see in this passage, that Jesus has power or authority over the demons. Jesus has authority over the supernaturals. Now we saw this a little bit last week, so we see it again in verse 32. It says, In that evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Mark informs us, giving us a time indicator here, that it was after the Sabbath, which is sundown. 
so that it was religiously, I would use the word legal, for people to bring the sick for healing. You can remember that throughout the Gospels, Jesus many times was accused of healing on the Sabbath. What a silly notion. But here Jesus waits, and then after the Sabbath, they start to bring to the house of Peter and Andrew all those that were in need. Mark also describes the scene as if the doors were busting out the seams with those bringing needy people to Jesus. The amazement of Jesus' teaching and miracles are spreading through the whole city of 10,000 people. The narrative says that many were healed and many with demons were cast out. This was a city in need. Hundreds if not thousands of people are needing help. And this is something that we need to put ourselves in the place as we looked at Sunday school, as we remember that these gospels, these narratives, they involve real people in a real time with real sicknesses and real problems. Many times we just forget about that and we treat these almost like Greek mythologies and stories maybe that Shakespeare had written or someone else. But this was a city that seems to be having many, many problems as any city would have. It says that thousands of people were needing help. And Jesus healed all who came. Not just a few, but all who sought his help. The only creatures who would have not been happy with Jesus' performance would have been the demons that were cast out. They found that staying in Capernaum was no longer an option as Jesus repelled them and refused to let them get a word in edgewise. The reason we see is that Jesus was not yet ready to have his true identity revealed. And you can imagine as Mark has given us a brief description as Jesus is healing these people, touching these people, commanding the demons to be cast out, to leave. You can see that Jesus probably was pretty much drained. The third observation I'd like to make is that Jesus' main purpose was to preach. Look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to him, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For this is why I came out. That's an important quote there. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Again, as I was setting it up in the transition, healing all of those people who were sick and casting out all those demons must have been physically, emotionally, and spiritually draining for Christ. As was Jesus' custom throughout His public ministry, He seeks strength through prayer. Wayne Grumman writes that prayer expresses our trust in God and is a means whereby our trust in Him can increase. You see, prayer shows our dependence on God. And even here we see that Jesus in His humanity and even in His divinity needed the constant strength that is found in prayer and dependence on God. The rest of the narrative exposes the selfish desires of the people. They only want their needs met. They're interested and they're looking for Him, searching, where did He go? He can't even get a moment's peace. Peter finally finds Jesus and tells them that they have been searching for him. The Greek word translated search there means to track down, to hunt for. They were eager for Jesus to continue. However, Jesus had other plans. He came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. 
They're just looking to be healed. They're just looking for their demons to be cast out. Now let's not make a mistake. Healing and exorcisms have their place in the ministry of Jesus. And we see that Jesus continues to do that. But what we need to understand is that the advancement of the kingdom, the proclamation of the good news, was Christ's primary reason for being there. There's three things I want us to know about God from this passage. The first one is that God is a God who heals. Amen? God is a God who heals. I don't know, there are many of you that are facing some surgeries this week, and please continue to pray for uh, Cindy. She'll have surgery on Friday, correct, for her knee surgery. And I know some others have been struggling with some medical complications and things that have been going through. Some of you are coming out of rehab. But let me tell you, God is a God who heals, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. And many of you can give testimony to that. But you and I must be reminded that sickness is a part of the curse. And Jesus came to pay the penalty of that curse for us. Isaiah 53, 4, the prophet writes of the Messiah, is that surely He has borne our griefs and He's carried our sorrows. God is a God who desires to heal, to bring comfort. He is a God who has compassion on His people. You and I need to be people who come before Christ and ask for healing. As many times we go to our doctors, we seek medical remedies, and all those things have their place. But we need to come before the God, the God who heals. For we hear that God is at work. It wasn't something that He did in the past. It's something that He does today. God is a God who heals. So go to Him. He's a God who has compassion. He's a God who loves. He's a God who heals. The second thing to know is that God is a God of justice. He speaks about demons. Why are they even allowed in this world? Well, we need to recognize that the works of Satan, the works of demons, is also a curse of this fallen world. Wayne Grumman writes that demons are angels who sin against God and who continually work evil in this world. We need to realize that there's much going on behind what we see. The Bible tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the power, against those things that are supernatural. But realizing that God has authority over the supernatural ought to bring us comfort. It ought to bring us strength. Apostle John informs us is that the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, as Dustin shared with us last week. And as we've seen in the story of Job, that even Satan and the demons submit to the power of God. They cannot stand against the name of Christ. They have already been judged, as Jesus says, that the lake of fire has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So many times as you see evil about, and you can imagine those people, once they were finally delivered, they could say, why me? Why was I influenced by them? Why was I oppressed? Some of them probably bearing scars, physical scars, of what Satan has done to them. I think that's one of the things that Satan loves to do. He loves to mar the body. He loves to mar the image of God. And he hurts our relationships. He hurts us personally. And we say, why? Why does he allow this in it? we got to realize that God is not forgotten. There is a God of justice. John MacArthur says that the supernatural power, the cosmic authority of Jesus is displayed as proof of his deity. It's unmistakable, he writes. 
If he is to be the Savior of the world, he has to be able to rescue souls from Satan. He has to be able to rescue souls from sin. If he's going to raise men and women in resurrection into the glories of heaven, he must have power over the effects of the curse on the body. That is to say, he must have power over the physical and the spiritual effects of the curse. And this is what we're seeing in this passage. We all understand that when Adam sinned, the whole human race fell. We were all cursed. We all bear the marks of that curse, both spiritually and physically. The Savior of this world has to rescue us from the effects of this curse in the spiritual realm as well as in the physical realm. And that's what Mark is describing to us today. Jesus is exhibiting his authority over sickness and the supernatural. Third thing we need to understand about God is that God is a God of mercy and grace. Amen? He's a God of mercy and grace. As we see in this portion of Mark and other places in the Gospels, people are in great need. Yet as we come to understand the human race, as well as ourselves, people really only want their needs met. However, the problem is, is people truly don't understand what their true need is. You see, they think they need a better financial plan. They need a better retirement plan. They need a better house. They need a better this. Or they may need just some physical healing. Or we need to be taller. We need to have more hair. We need to have all these things. But really what the Bible is saying is that what you and I need, what the world needs, is a Savior. We need to understand that. All these things that we struggle with are real and they do have dealings in our lives. But in the end, Jesus recognized they need a Savior. We need the casting outs. We need the healings. But God is a God of mercy and grace. God does heal. He does bring physical, emotional, and mental deliverance. But the deliverance you and I truly need is that which is spiritual. We need to be delivered from the curse of sin, the penalty of death. And that comes through the preaching of God's Word, not through casting out of hands. It doesn't come from a healing of the physical body. Not just any type of preaching, not a man-centered preaching, not a person-centered preaching, but the preaching that displays the good news that Christ has given His life by trading His righteousness for our sins. God has accepted the works of Christ and that through the gift of faith, He has applied those works of Christ towards all who repent of dead works and believe. That's why Christ wanted to stay the main point. He's continued to cast out demons. He continued to heal. But His primary purpose was to preach. Strangely enough, God has ordained that it is by preaching that his kingdom will advance. Not through healings, not through exorcism, not by supernatural displays of wonder, but simple preaching. That's not how you and I would do it, would we? If we truly want to make a mark in the world, we would start to heal. Could you imagine how the doors of this church would be busting at the seams if all of a sudden we had healing services and the lame were beginning to walk, the blind were able to see, and people were bringing in caskets and we were raising them from the dead? People would just be coming in for that. And to be honest, I'll tell you what, I pray for that type of gift, to be honest with you. 
I pray that there is a way that God would give that to us today. Many times God works in different ways. See, people aren't interested in preaching. They're not interested. They want to see the signs. They want to see all the grandeur. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is going to advance through simple preaching. I have to ask, why preaching? Let's go back to Romans 1, 15-32, our scripture reading. You need to understand that the world is lost. And it's heading for judgment without the good news. I know some of you are struggling with medical issues. You may be struggling through financial issues. There may be some relationship issues that are causing you difficulties. Maybe some emotional things that you struggle with. But the most important thing that this world needs is not another food program, not another government bill, but it needs the gospel of Christ. For that's the only thing that can deliver the people. I want to share with you two things. This first is the necessity of preaching. Turn to Romans chapter 10, if you would. Why preaching? Why not displays of wonder? Why not miraculous signs? Why not God just come and do some type of supernatural sky writing? Romans chapter 10, look at verses 13. He says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. That's a great promise. Let's look at that again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone what? Preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Look at verse 17. So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through what? The word of God. However you may ask, in this day and age, why would God use men standing in front of a group of people and giving them a monologue? Why would he choose that? How boring, right? Why would anyone choose that? Wouldn't drama and music and other tools of communication be better? Wouldn't it be better if I came down skyline you know, or some type of wire and coming down and doing miraculous things? Wouldn't that be better? Let's do a Christian magician and come up and do all sorts of wonderful things. Give me that miraculous staff, you know? And I can turn it into a snake. And to be honest... You can get that today. In the evangelical Christian church, you can get all the entertainment you want. One church just last week, or is it two weeks ago, in anticipation of the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, took and baptized a copy of the Fifty Shades of Grey book. I'm not sure if it's been redeemed. I'm not sure if he repented from dead works and trusted God, but he baptized it. You have groups that will come and they'll teach their worship bands to play a highway to hell. Just so it's a great way to open up, right? We can do all these wonderful things. Another pastor will put a bet on the platform so they can talk about sex. And him and his wife spent seven days and seven nights on a bed on top of the church. Why we do all these things? 
I'm indenuated with, with people who want me to play video clips and, and do all these types of things instead of preaching. Let's entertain them. Let's give them what they want. Wouldn't that be more efficient and more entertaining than someone giving a monologue who's speaking for 30 to 45 minutes? Who can do that? That's difficult to do. I understand that that's difficult for you to do. It's difficult for me to do. That might have been okay for Jesus' time and Peter's time. They had nothing else. They didn't have Facebook. They don't have Twitter. And I can see those of you who are down there doing that right now. But now, why would he ever do that? That's why I would like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians. First, we see the necessity of preaching. For it's by the hearing of God's word that God's kingdom grows. Not through fantastical displays of wonder and amazement. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, we see that he says that he's going to choose preaching because the humbleness of preaching. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, let the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the sermon of the discerning. I will thwart. Verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Greeks and Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even the things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. The main point is God's preaching of God's word. You and I, and here's where I want to end this morning, is here's the commitment that you and I need to do, understanding who God is is that you and I need to be a community that prizes the preaching of the cross. Nothing but the cross. The cross must be in every message. It must be in every teaching. It must be in all of our conversations. We need to be a community that desires to hear the Word of God. Not ones who close our ears or say, well, do something different. We need to hear God's Word. We need to be listeners of God's Word. We need to be a community that sacrifices to send out others to preach the good news. 
We need to be a community that is willing to go out and share the gospel ourselves. And we need to be a community that embraces God's design in advancing His kingdom as one heart submitting to Him one at a time. That's the authority of Christ. He can continue to use exorcisms and healings. And that will bring in a crowd. There are many people that are good at marketing and good in bringing in crowds. But if you leave out the preaching of God's Word, then you left the teachings of Christ. And you left out the very power found in His Word. Faith comes through hearing, the hearing of the Word of God. Let's be a church that honors preaching, that listens to preaching, that shares the gospel. For that's the method of Christ, and that method is good enough for us this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just like for you to take a moment to pause, to pray, to consider, and to respond. Do you recognize and accept that Jesus has authority over sickness and over demons and the supernatural? Do you know that we have a God who heals? Do you need to go to that God today? Maybe you need the God of justice in which you understand that maybe not all things are equal, not all things are balanced today, but one day they will be. Or maybe you need the God of mercy and grace, recognizing that He's given that to you. In whatever way He's called you to respond, would you do so this morning? Father, we come again and thanking you for your word. We thank you for the preached word. Let us come to your word, not through man's opinion, not through man's wisdom, not through entertainment. But Lord, let us see that the power is found in your word, for it's the power of salvation. And let us be a community that prizes preaching, a community that sacrifices to send others to hear that word of God. And Father, may we also give us the courage for ourselves to share that gospel. For we can preach, not just from a pulpit, but we can preach and share the good news. Proclaiming the good news is all that word means. Throughout our work week, in our families, in our relationships, give us the strength to do so. We pray that your Holy Spirit then will do His work as each heart submits to you. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.